welcome to the Fit My Life to the Fullest podcast, where we focus on how we can improve our physical health so that we can enjoy the life God has called us to, to the absolute fullest. What's going on, ladies? I hope you're having a great day. Looking forward to hanging out with you for the next couple of minutes while you're folding laundry or working out or driving or something. I need to apologize for the audio quality. And if you listen to the previous episode right before this, I'm recording both of these together and I was having microphone issues today. I'm having just a annoying buzz in the background. So I know that using my computer audio, which is what I'm doing right now, sounds really echoey and distant. So I had to choose between the two and I personally could not listen to the buzz when I was listening to it back. So I hope that you can bear with this to get through today's episode because I think this is so important. I wish I could just have everybody that I've ever trained or ever going to train listen to this podcast and hopefully it will change your thinking a little bit today. That's something that I'll get a lot of questions about is how do I change my mindset around food? How did you get such a good mindset, etc.? And it's small little things over time what we're taking in, what we're reading, what we're listening to, how we're talking to ourselves as well. And I've been really trying to isolate these thoughts more of like, okay, when did I start thinking this? Because whether you're brand new here or you've been around a while, I've talked about before that I've not always been in this healthy frame of mind or body, whatever, which has nothing to do with body fat percentage or weight or anything. I'm not the lowest weight I've ever been. I'm not the lowest body fat I've ever been. I however, have like probably the healthiest relationship with food, exercise, all of it that I ever have. And that's come from a lot of years of kind of working on it, but not even realizing I was directly working on it. It was just from what I was listening to, reading, etc. So this conversation came about because I'm working with a client who asked me, you know, how did you kind of step away from emotional eating, binge eating, those kinds of disordered eating. So I'm not calling it an eating disorder, but I'm saying that's disordered eating. I've shared on here before that I have totally had seasons where I would wait to eat until no one was around. Not not meals and stuff. I'd eat meals, but then to just dive into some kind of processed food or some kind of dessert or whatever snacky food when I was alone. um, It started, the first time I can really remember it was in college when I was living with two roommates and as soon as they would like leave, I'd get out the peanut butter pretzels and chocolate chips and I would dip the pretzels in the peanut butter, roll them in the chocolate chips and eat them. But it wasn't like, oh yay, somebody, you know, I have the house to myself. I'm going to have a little snack. And I like took out a normal portion, ate a normal portion. It was like I just went in on it for a half hour and then like stopped So taking in thousands of calories that I was not hungry for, was not enjoying, it was definitely more an emotional, emotionally charged action, I should say. So I don't think there's, you know, anything wrong with that particular snack or whatever. It's just all the the how it's unfolding. And that's, you know, the the stark contrast to now when I enjoy last night, it was Fat Tuesday. (laughs) I'm recording this just a week ahead of time. And we had lactose-free ice cream because my husband needs that kind. So it doesn't matter. I would have regular. I don't care. But I had lactose-free ice cream and brownies for Fat Tuesday. And I did not at all feel bad about it. I know I'm about to go into a Lenten season of fasting. All that good stuff. So the I'm not anti-treats at all. It's just changed so much how I can enjoy treats, how I look at food. 
et cetera. And so we were talking about this because she was asking about kind of how I came out of it, how I progressed out of it. And it's not like I'm totally immune from emotional eating. There's still times where I'm feeling stressed and I eat a bunch of tortilla chips or something like it's, I'm not going to say it never happens, but it's very rare and few and far between. And usually it's more so when I have not properly fueled my body that day. So how did this come about? And, you know, where did I kind of get more to the other side of that? And I really had to think about it to share it with her to try to, you know, help her walk through this as well. And I had to think about that. I used to look at food as a total solution to my problem kind of a thing. Like in that moment when people leave, I was stressed about something. I was unhappy in some way and I would dive into it. Now I look at food as fuel and even more so I've shared with you guys on a couple uh, previous episodes that I have a big goal for 2022 to complete a race and I have not done a race in forever. (laughs) I don't usually do cardio and a lot of you know that and whatnot, but I basically just wanted to do something hard and was like, I'm going to see if I can do this. So the point being, I am a couple training runs in right now and I'm sure I'll reference it more just because it makes you, you know, any experience is going to make you have different realizations I'm not trying to just, oh, Brittany's going to only talk about her race until it happens. It's not until late summer, first of all, so I'm going to not talk to you about it for that long. But uh, one of the realizations that I had just in myself the first couple weeks was that I started eating way differently and it had nothing to do with me doing, like my, my body is going to be changing, not because I all of a sudden am trying to lose fat and eating like I'm trying to lose fat. I am right now looking at food as fuel. I'm looking at food a lot differently because I'm thinking about how it's going to make me feel. And I actually had this thought anyways, thinking like I should let clients know that or whoever, you know, all of you who hang out with me, because I don't want at the end of this race, if I lost 10 pounds or whatever, you to be like, ah, see, she says don't do cardio, but she's doing cardio and she lost weight. It's actually not at all it's kind of the other way around. That's a chicken or the egg situation, but it's that I'm going to lose fat so that I can run, not I'm losing fat because I ran. Because a lot of people run, and that was definitely how I started out. I started out running before I ever changed my nutrition. And I can tell you, I ran a marathon. I looked the same when I started the training, and I looked the same at the end because I didn't touch my nutrition. However, this time around, I'm focusing on what's going to fuel my body well, and focusing on how much easier and better my runs feel when I don't have as much weight on my knees. Now, mind you, I still have some body fat and weight that I can lose from the baby. I'm not shooting for a crazy, unrealistic body weight just so that it's less to run on by any means. You guys should always know that I do things. What is going to be safe? What's going to be practical? Right now, I am still breastfeeding. My child is seven months old, so I can't drop, you know, whatever amount of body fat or whatever amount of weight I am slowly trying to slowly cut down while keeping my supply up. That's the space I'm in. But the whole driving message and what I want you to take away from this, whether you're running, whether you're lifting, is when you're training more like an athlete, when you're looking at what you want to accomplish performance-wise, not aesthetically, 
you're going to look at food differently. It's not like even for me on the weekends now, this is where it's like, yeah, I like to have a drink with my husband, have some snacks or um, have takeout or whatever. But if it's the day before I have to do a run, I'm very picky about what I'm going to have and or the portions of it. I'm not going to you know, have a huge dessert knowing I have to run the next day. It's going to make me have a moderate portion or just a taste of it and whatnot. And again, in many ways, I need more calories because specifically this is, you know, a cardio goal that I'm shooting for. So I'm burning more calories during it, which means I need to take in more. So I've actually upped my carbs, like all that stuff. I'm not trying to under eat and run. So I definitely don't want that to be your takeaway from this. Like, oh, maybe I should start doing that. The takeaway here is if you look at food as fuel, you're going to think about what it can do for your body instead of it being the reward or the punishment or whatever. I look at a salad with grilled chicken and a bunch of veggies thinking, oh, this is perfect. It's going to keep me full. It's high protein. Delicious. How can I make it delicious and enjoy it as well? Instead of, I have to eat a boring salad because I don't want to get fat or I don't want to buy a higher pair of jeans size. You know, it's just in the way that we talk to ourselves and the way we we deal with things. And it's just, this is a big deal. This is why when I work with people, I try to encourage them to set performance-related goals. I don't think everybody needs to be able to do pull-ups or everybody needs to be able to run a marathon or whatever. It's totally individualized and personalized. But then it stays in the back of your mind. And it makes the workouts, I think, more fun when you know you're shooting for something versus just slogging along. But if you are the person, too... You're like, Brittany, I'm not super buying this because I'm not an athlete. I'm just trying to (laughs) work out reasonably a couple times a week so I do stay a decent body fat and I am overall healthy. That's totally cool and fine. I just, this still totally applies. I still would look at, maybe not then looking as at food as fuel for your workout and what it's going to do for your workout, but just looking at food as fuel for your life. You know, back to the podcast that I did about Nutrition Hacks for All Day Energy, something along those lines it was titled. Like, look at your days and what's going to make you feel great in your day with your kids or at your job. It's not going to be starting the day with a donut for breakfast because you're going to crash, right? So how, what amazing breakfast can I have that's going to be rounded out in macros so that I can have energy until lunch and I feel satiated And I feel good. You know, if there's foods that you particularly know bloat you, why would you eat them? (laughs) You know, I know that sometimes there's the one-offs and I have to always disclaimer that there's the, oh, I know I'm going to feel terrible after this, but I'll just enjoy it now and I'll be sick later. A lot of people who have intolerances tend to do that, who are lactose or gluten-free who are like, ah, this is worth it. I'll just feel the stomach pains later. I get that. There might be times that you're like, whatever, I'm just going to deal with the aftermath. But on the whole, in your daily life, what makes you feel great? For most of us, it's going to be things like having smaller portions of indulgences. Like I just referenced, maybe, you know, I'll have a dessert with my husband on a Saturday night, but I'm not going to have a huge serving because I am going to run the next day, do my long runs on the weekends. Drinking less might make you feel great if you typically have multiple drinks on the weekend or... I used to have a client who drank like a bottle of wine a night, legitimately. Uh, So we worked on bringing that on down before anything else. But 
you know, maybe I think everybody is going to feel better on less alcohol, no matter how much you drink, you know, less doctors can agree on that as well, that less is going to be optimal. It doesn't really do anything good for your body. So limiting that is going to make you feel good. Conversely, drinking a ton of water is going to make you feel great. So focus on what makes you feel great. Getting in vegetables so you stay regular. You're going to feel great if you're regular, right? Focus on what makes you feel awesome instead of, no, no, I can't have that. That's off limits or that's bad food or I shouldn't have that. It's basically just reframing food in a positive light, just like we do with our kids all the time. Like that's basically what they tell you for parenting is stop saying no, no, no to your toddler and find a way to say something else, right? Like (laughs) the the no is going to become just absolutely useless because they hear no all the time. So they'll say, you know, instead of saying like, no, don't take that monster from brother. It's here. Would you like to play with this? You know, making something positive instead. No, you can't do that. Oh, how about we do this? This is going to be great. It's the same thing with how we talk to ourselves. So many things, if we just applied them to ourselves, you're like, oh yeah, now that makes sense. Like, right. Instead of waking up each day and thinking, I can't eat pancakes like that lady at the restaurant because I need to lose five pounds. Thinking like, ooh, what food is going to make me feel awesome for later? I really don't want to waste my Sunday being super tired and bogged down by eating three pancakes, but I kind of want a taste of them. So I'm going to get one pancake, two scrambled eggs on the side with a side of turkey bacon. Awesome. Like, perfect. I love that. It's about balance. It's about finding what works for you and truly what makes you feel great because everybody's different. If I was going to do a long run two days from that same breakfast example I just gave, maybe I would have eaten the three pancakes because I am having more carbs than normal. So it's individualized. It is dependent on your situation. It's dependent upon your work lifestyle. That's another thing. Like my husband can eat tons of calories because he gets like 20,000 steps a day. I am nowhere near that. I get probably 5,000 steps a day. I am mostly holding small children and managing, like walk, (laughs) literally my two and a half year old. He's not even two and a half yet. So he's two and he's in a big phase of wanting to be held. I think it's, he's had a lot of transition. We've potty trained recently. He's gotten the big boy bed recently and he's been super wanting to be held like in public places when I have to hold the baby. And if I'm not wearing the baby, it's pretty difficult. The other day, my bicep was legitimately, I could not straighten it. I was like, what did I do? I did not do upper body yesterday. I did legs. I haven't done upper body in days. And it was from holding them each in one arm. So anyway, why did I bring that up? I don't remember. (laughs) Oh, because I don't really walk around much. So yeah, everybody, it's going to look different. If you are training for something awesome, if you are wanting to pick some performance goals, awesome. Like I want to be able to do a push-up and eating a ton of ice cream is not going to help me push my body weight back up off the floor. So I'm not going to have that right now, or I'm going to have just a small scoop of that right now. That's cool. If you're not setting any performance related goals, you can still apply this. What is going to make me feel great during my daily life? And really try to think about that. Keep that in the back of your head. When you are looking at the food that you walk by in the break room at work, or when, you know, somebody, a lot of times I think women, we can make this all or nothing. And people are like, oh, I was eating really well. And then my friend, we had a play date and she brought over donuts I don't want to be rude or whatever, X, Y, Z. The thing is, 
it's not that you have to not be rude by then eating five of them, right? Somebody brings over Timbits. I know not everybody is from places where there's Tim Hortons, but Timbits are like little donut holes. So little donut holes, you and you don't want to be rude. You don't have to eat 10 of them. You can have one or have two and be gracious, but not feel awful after as well. So there is totally a middle area here. Think of it like you would tell your kids and hopefully like you're presenting food to your kids. That's, you know, a big factor in you're shaping your kids' relationship with food. So if you're telling them, no, you can't have a sucker, it's not good for you, period, or whatever, they're going to start labeling foods as good and bad. Whereas if you tell them like, oh, you know, dude, you can have one cookie, but not, but like, let's cap it there or else your stomach's going to hurt. That's probably too much sugar for your body. You know, you'll feel better with this. Whatever. Like, how are you framing it? Frame it in a positive way. Um, this could be a whole other podcast episode, but I know I'm trying to get a lot more specific as my oldest gets older, where I just usually say like, oh, you know, like eat your vegetables. They're good for you. They help keep you healthy. Now I'm trying to be a lot more specific with like, oh, make sure you finish your carrots. They're super good for your eyes. Like you're going to be able to see like a superhero, like just giving them more of the why of things. And we need to treat ourselves the same way. Like, why should I eat this omelet instead of a Belgian waffle? Because it's good protein. It's going to fit the bill for keeping me healthy. It's going to support my muscles and all of that good stuff that's completely unrelated to weight. It's just going to make me feel good. Unless you're allergic to eggs, in which case that example doesn't work for you. But I hope <laughs> you all are with me enough to get the gist of this episode. Look at food as fuel and see how it changes your relationship with it. Seriously, I've still, there have been times when I've caught myself then like kind of about to binge. We don't like to use the word binge, but binge eating is like sitting down and consuming tons of calories just in a small window of time. Same thing with binge drinking. It's how many drinks you're having in a small window of time. But I have had experiences then where I've like, I don't set out to do it. I just am in front of an open bag of something and I'll be eating, say like kettle corn. We'll say that. I like kettle corn. seems plausible. (laughs) And I will be eating it kind of mindlessly watching TV or scrolling my phone and be like, oh wait, I again have have to run in two days. You're like, oh, that's just not going to make me feel good. I'm going to cut that off. So keeping that front of mind of this is not going to make me feel good. I should stop here. Not this, like it's this forbidden fruit that you can never have. Have a little bit of it, but a lot of it is probably going to make you feel sick. So talk to yourself in a more positive way. Okay. If you enjoyed this, Thank you for being here. (laughs) If you didn't enjoy it, thank you for being here anyways. But if you did enjoy it and you have not reviewed the podcast, I'd really appreciate if you would do that. I will try to work on my microphone issue by the next time I record. Um, If not, we're going to get echoey for a while. But I love spending time with you ladies and love the community we have here. I hope you are rocking it at home, especially those of you in the Chasing Greatness group who we are doing balutes this month. So if you are at least a week into the workouts, I would say now, your glutes should be feeling nice. We are hitting them three times a week. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, you can go over to the website and check out the Chasing Greatness group and, and or message me if you have any questions about it. All right, I hope you have a great rest of your day. I will talk to you next time.